Uh, we're going to finish up uh, Empowered. And I'm going a little different direction. I'm going to tell you, I am feeling tired. So this is probably the best scenario for me to teach a sermon on being strong. <laughs> but I want to talk about strength today. Oh, Kidmo. If you're in Kidmo, you can head on out. I, go, I haven't gone that long, and I can't have been that bad, that quick. But uh, yeah, Kidmo, and head on out if you're a guest and have second through fifth grader, then um, you can go see where they're headed. Um, their own time is games, teaching, small groups, things that they do back there. All right. Um, so we've been through talking about what it look like to be empowered. One of my frustrations with myself um, over the years, one of my frustrations with the church, and one of the, one of the ways that when I, when I read articles about the church, almost every article I read about the church today is negative. Um, church is doing something wrong. Church is not good. Uh, church is uh, are, are damaging people and communities. Church is dying. People are leaving the church. You know, almost every article I see about the church that comes through whatever stream I'm on uh, is negative. That frustrates me because the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus came in order that we ourselves would be empowered by him and that we would supernaturally work with him to change the world. And yet almost every scenario in which the church is talked about today is talked about negatively. And I want you to know that the world can talk about the church that way. That is not who the church is. Now, if you've bought into that, I'm just going to tell you right now, you need to read more scripture and spend more time in prayer because what God is doing, has been doing throughout history, God is still doing and God is going to continue to do. And God is not going to just do it through other people. God has called you to do it through you. So when we start talking about being empowered, uh, we have to go back and understand, well, what did Jesus promise us? What did he say it was going to be like when we followed him? And over the last few weeks, we've talked about different aspects of that. We are, are empowered by Christ. There are times we do feel kind of empty. We feel tired and weak. And yet we have the opportunity to recharge. It is all God working through us. Uh, we've talked about our words. We've talked about working together as a community. And, and the truth is, is that when we do that, then the power of God is unleashed through us. We are the bride of Christ. We are his hands and feet in this place. You were meant to be empowered and not identically. Some of you are really good at some things and others are really good at other things. I share with you one of my strengths is, is prophecy. It is, I, I just have this conviction that you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. It may not be palatable. It may not be comfortable. It may not make you feel good. But you need to know the truth. Well, a lot of people have had this gift. And in order to exercise it, if you do not have people that teach you compassion, grace, and mercy, then you could do a lot of damage with just putting truth out there. <laughs> You know, there are times that we have to put truth out there in such a way that we are loving others. And sometimes that is not your default way when truth is so important to you. So we all will do things in different ways. There are others that are so good at grace, mercy, and compassion. I mean, you encourage. People love to be around you. You see someone hurting. You run to them. You're putting Band-Aids on wounds. I mean, you are just there for them. And so that is, your, that, that is a way that God has empowered you. There are all kinds of ways God empowers us. The, the important thing for us to know is if we are following Christ, we have the opportunity to be empowered. Now, when you begin to experience this, the world will change for you. When you stop believing that you're on your own, that all of a sudden you have to do this all under your power, that somehow you've got to develop all the competencies, all the skills, all the strengths, all on your own, when you've got to do that then you will often feel very weak and inadequate. 
At least I do. But that is not what God's called us to. In ministry, one of the problems we have in this area is the need to kind of promote self. And so we go out and we kind of promote what we're doing and, and how we've changed people's lives. And sometimes even the way we talk about things is very self-centered. You know, I, I saved three people today. <laughs> you didn't save anybody today. You know, it's like, no, you didn't. Uh, sometimes we get a little self-centered in that and we promote ourselves. We want people to see, yeah, God is doing something. And that is not the way God works. But as you're empowered, you will inevitably begin to grow stronger and stronger. So I want to talk to you about strength today, but I want to talk to you about it in a, in a little different way. I kind of save this one for Father's Day because I think this is a message that men need to hear, but this is not a message just for men. It's a message for women. It's a message for our teens, our kids, because God does not just give strength to one gender. God gives strength to all of God's people. But when we begin to live within it, I want you to know people are, will not be happy with you. They will not be happy with you when you begin to, to actually listen to what God says. You begin to act and you begin to see God work. There is an entire enemy working against you. It does not want you to be strong. does not want you to change the world. does not want the world to see Christ come as a rescuer, but instead as some kind of oppressor. So as we go through this, we're going to go through a few places of Scripture. We're primarily going to be in Colossians 3, um, but I want to begin with Ephesians 6. This is a call to strength, and I want you to know, even within our culture in which, let's be honest, weakness is worshipped over strength within our culture. You are not called to that. This is what we read in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, which means we do still wrestle. <laughs> this is crucial understanding in a, in a conversation about strength, that we do wrestle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, I'm going to do my best to communicate what I want to say today. <laughs> this is a complicated issue. Because there are some bad examples of strength. Some of, some of the um, ideas of what it means to be strong actually looks ver look very oppressive. I'm stronger than you, therefore I can bend you to my will. I'm stronger than you, therefore I can use you for my purposes. I'm stronger than you, therefore I will get what I want and you will not. There are all kinds of bad examples of strength. But as a follower of Jesus, this should be what we are characterized by is strength, not weakness. Now, all of us have weaknesses. You will not gain a level of spiritual growth and maturity in which you have no weaknesses. In fact, Scripture goes so far as to say you cannot actually be made strong unless you accept the fact that you are weak. Once we accept the fact that we are weak and we allow our strength to come from somewhere outside of us, then our strength is something that others will see and others will be affected by. Strength is meant to help, not to hurt. Strength is meant to build up, not to tear down. Strength is meant to come along others, not to get others to come alongside us. 
We are called to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And we cannot forget, even though we live in the world in which this is so comfortable. We had a great time at camp. It was beautiful. There's a part of me that just couldn't wait to get home. There's a part of me that's like, ah, oh, we stay here. I mean, the highs were, you know, high 70s. <laughs> low, you know, the lows were low 60s. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was great to go have fun every day. It was great to have two worship. We had two worship services every day. That was great. I mean, you just go and you're filled and, and, and you're excited. And, you know, morning worship is a little less exciting than evening worship because nobody's really quite awake yet. But you know, it, it was good. Good friendships. You're talking about Jesus. You know, at least you're supposed to be talking about Jesus. So, you know, even if you normally wouldn't be, you are at camp. It's just a very edifying, growing, encouraging, strengthening experience. But that's a very comfortable experience. And then you come home, right? And like, like some of our students were mentioning that you have distractions and you have hard things that you have to do and you have things that go wrong and you have people that don't like you. I mean, I do. I don't know about you. I have people that don't like me. I don't know why. I mean, I think I'm very likable, but there are people that don't like me. I am likable. Thank you for that. Thank you. You go to work and you have people that seem to just want you to fail, Right? There are distractions. There are things that hurt. There are things that we struggle in our our walk with Christ and we want to be better at it and we don't feel like we're doing well. And, and, And all of that is really a war that you're waging, not against those people and not against those circumstances, but you're waging a spiritual war. And God didn't call us to fight in a spiritual war and die and be weak. He called us to be strong and to be victors. When we start talking about being empowered and empowered followers of Jesus, empowered followers are strong followers who are effective at waging a spiritual war. Now, I'm not a proponent of finding a war to fight in, right? Like, I'm, you're, you know those people that are always looking for a fight. It's like their life's not complete unless they're fighting somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a, a war that is raging, that has been raging from the time of creation, even if you read in Revelation, even before, whenever there's a war in heaven, it begins in heaven, it comes to earth, we are caught up with it, and now we're fighting it, and we will fight it until Jesus returns. Will we fight this war through strength or weakness? Let me give you where we're going, and then I'm going to take you there. Three ways to be strong in the Lord. We're going to find this through Colossians 3, but three ways to be strong in the Lord. Number one, seek things that are above. Number two, put sin to death. And number three, put on the character of God. That's where we're going. That's what Colossians 3 is going to talk about. I want you to know that up front. Now let's head to it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ. Now remember, this is when you make a a decision to follow Christ. And now you have died to your old way of life. You have died to your sin. You have died to your self-glorification. You are no longer that person. You have died. You have buried that person. This is the symbolism of baptism. You've buried them. You're now made alive. You're risen with Christ. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
If we're going to be strong followers of God, the very first thing we have to do is what he talks about in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Seek things that are above. One day I had the opportunity to drive some students while we were at camp to one of their infuge tracks, and uh, we were just talking about uh, different things in the car. And, and uh, interestingly, every morning there's a lost and found. <laughs> And in the lost and found that morning, someone had, uh, somebody had lost a jewel charger. You know what a jewel charger is? It's like a fake cigarette, electronic cigarette you can plug in. And they had lost their charger. I was joking with this dude. So, oh, I got in trouble for smoking jewels. My parents got really mad at me. Like, oh, they should have. <laughs> you shouldn't be smoking jewels. You know, I can't escape being a dad no matter where I'm at. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. And while that is a a pretty minor infraction compared to many of the things that go on in the world, the reality is is that if we're going to seek the things that are above, that means that we are no longer going after the things that we want to go after. We're going after the things that God wants us to go after. We talk about crucify yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. This is what we're talking about. There are things I want to do. I want to self-promote because self-promotion feels good. I want other people to see me in the very best light. I want other people to look at me and say, man, he has got it together. He is great. Boy, I would love to be like him. I mean, ultimately, those who self-promote, that's what they're shooting for, for others to go, I wish I were as good as that. Everybody loves self-promotion. Not all of us are good at it, but all of us love it. Part of seeking the things that are of God is that we are no longer seeking to promote ourselves. We are seeking to promote the one who has saved us. Is our mind constantly on these things? This is one of the problems and weaknesses in the church today. And that is, sometimes, sometimes my mind is on those things. But sometimes my mind's on other things that are more important to me. The reality is, if we're going to follow Christ, what he has called us to is to consistently have our minds on him and the things that are his. Now, if you're thinking, well, that's not me, I must be a failure as a Christian, I will tell you, no one started out being able to do that in their faith. Or you can do it for a few days because you're super excited about what's just happened, maybe a few months. It takes time and it takes commitment. It takes discipline. It takes growing and maturing to consistently crucify those things that we want to make most important. And God says, no, that's not what's important to me. It's not what's important to me. Seek things that are above we read through Ephesians 6 and, and, and Colossians 3, as we seek these things that are from above, we are going to grow in our strength. And I want you to know that this, what Jesus has done for us, means that we are victors, not victims. Okay, I want you to say this with me, all right? We are victors, not victims. Okay, half of you got it. The rest of you, join in. We are victors, not victims. One of the most damaging trends in culture today is the victim mentality. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say there are not victims. People are victimized. There are victims. There is a difference in someone who has been a victim and someone who is constantly living as a victim. Now, these, how you can tell that someone's in this, if they are constantly putting messages out there talking about how bad life is. Oh, life's so bad. Oh, people are so mean to me. 
Oh, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. Oh, I just can't believe someone said this thing to me. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus did not die on the cross for us to live in a perpetual state of victimization. We have been delivered from sin. We have been delivered from death. We are, are promised to be with him forever. We are victors. And even though our culture, for whatever reason, I, I believe I know the reason, but the, whatever reason celebrates weakness and wants you to stay in your weakness and for you to say, oh, I'm just so sorry. I just don't, I won't say anything. I won't hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just going to be, you know, kind of crawl back here and try not to bump into anybody. And, oh, y'all just... Oh, I'm just having such a hard day all the time. Listen, when you have a hard day, you need a community of people that you can call on and they can say, listen, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. God's got this. We've got your back. We're with you. But when you are constantly in a state of victimization, oh, life's always bad. Let me tell you something. You are just destroying the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are what? Victors. Say it again. We are victors. And we walk up to someone who's having a difficult time in life. We're, they're struggling. They're hurting. And we come up and we say, oh, yeah, you think you got it bad. Oh, I know Jesus, but man, I, get, I really got it bad. What in the, why in the world would they want to know anything about Jesus? They already know what it feels like to feel like that. We are victors, not victims. Our weakness, Scripture tells us, is no reason not to be strengthened. Because our strength doesn't come from our ability to be strong independently of God. Our strength comes from God himself. Now, many times when we think about strength, there's an attribute that follows right along with it, and that is arrogance, ego. I will tell you, when you believe your strength is of yourself, that's when the ego grows. When you believe your strength comes from God, that is when your ego shrinks. And that is what God is talking about. He's not talking about, oh, look at me, I'm so good. Look at me, I'm so strong. Look at me, I got it together. Look at me, I'm the, I'm the total package. That's not the kind of strength that Scripture talks about. It's the kind of strength, though, that still stands firm. Even when everyone says, oh, we don't like what you're saying. We don't like what you're doing. We don't believe in your God. We don't think you should be living your life that way. And yet we stand firm because we have found the secret to life, knowing Jesus Christ. Some of you are going through hard times. And I, I want to be very careful how we talk about strength because we all, all, 100% of us go through seasons in which we feel less strong than others. There are actually times that God will withdraw his strength from you. Not because you did anything wrong. Not because you're not good enough. But he withdraws it because it is in those moments in which he withdraws his strength that sometimes we grow the strongest. It is those times in which he wants to teach us a lesson. Some of you may not feel strong in the sense that your body may not be as strong as it once was, or maybe you were born in such a way that your body is not as strong as someone else you know. That is not the kind of strength that we're talking about. Some of you know people that their personalities are overwhelming. I mean, they walk in a room, everybody wants to be around them. They're just talking. I mean, they tell tell a joke and everybody laughs. Even that person that you can't stand laughs at their jokes, you know? I'm not talking about strength from personality. 
We all go through seasons in which we don't feel strong. We all go through seasons when things go wrong. We all go through seasons when we make mistakes. We go through seasons of failure. Season of failure does not mean that you have no strength. It means you change the way you view it, you change the way you act in it. Strength is developed always, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual. Strength is always developed through resistance. Through resistance. Sometimes I go to the gym, I'm not feeling it. My joints don't work the way they used to. Thank you, thank you, brother. Some of the others of you can relate. I'll get the little dumbbells out. Listen, if you can hit at least a 20 or up, you're okay in the, in the eyes of those in the room. You hit anything below a 20, you're getting judged. Sometimes I go and I get some little thing and I'm over here like, it's me, I'm working out, you know. But that resistance, it helps us grow. Whenever you go work out, the reason that people go work out in the gym and they push those weights is because it breaks down your muscle and it grows back stronger. One of the reasons God allows hardship in your life is because it breaks down the thing in which you trust to make you stronger. We only grow strong through resistance. And God teaches us over time how to handle that resistance differently. This is one of the reasons that you should never protect your children from bad things in life. Now, Really bad things, yeah. There are some things you, we, we all will protect our children from. But sometimes I'll see somebody and their child has a, experiences a little bit of pain and they rush over to stop. Stop the pain. I just tell you, you're killing your kid when you do that. You're killing your kid when you do that. Because you're not going to be there every time pain comes. It is through resistance that you learn strength. We joke about people who, uh, in our family, you know, that you know, never get dirty and make sure that every germ's cleaned up and, you know, all that. I'm like, go eat you some dirt, you know. I'm a complete opposite of that. Like, if you don't have a little dirt in your diet, you're not probably going to live past 25, right? You're probably not. Everybody needs a little dirt in their diet. That just kind of teaches your body resistance. Now, if any of you are in the medical profession, you know, you're welcome to disagree with me. I get it. I'm don't have a medical license or degree or really any understanding of medical things. But I do find that a little bit of dirt in your diet helps you out. Your body learns to deal with these things when it's exposed to it in small doses over time. So does your spirit. See, we are following Christ and we go through a season that's hard, but we are not crushed. But we hurt. We hurt. We are victors, not victims. Strength does not mean that you're going to be immune to being hurt. Strength is not callousness. Strength is not, you'll never hurt me. You do hurt. But you respond to it differently. We'll get to that in a minute. Hebrews 11.32 says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets. Guys, that you are out here, and let me just tell you, Scripture is ripe with examples of men who lived lives of strength. 
men who would stand up and others would criticize them for the stand that they would take. Men who would stand in the way of oppression. Men who would stand in the way of those who would seek to victimize others. Men who would stand up for their families. Men who would work themselves to the bone to provide for their kids. Men who, after coming home from a long day at at war or at work, to sit down with their kids and tell them about the love of Jesus. Time would, t- time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. You were meant to be strong. We live in a time in which if a man appears to have any strength whatsoever, he's oppressive, right? Let me tell you, strength does not mean you have a deep voice. Strength does not mean that you have big muscles. Strength does not mean that you're taller than somebody else. Strength does not mean you can impose your will on others. But we do live in a time in which you cannot have an opinion. You cannot stand firm for anything without being judged for it. Scripture tells us this is what it looks like to be strong. And we all within us have an an innate need for this type of strength among us. Last night I had been gone for a week. And so uh, normally whenever it's time to put Malia to bed, you know, if you ask her 95 times out of 100, who do you want to put you to bed? It's always mom, of course, always mom. And then um, occasionally I get to, right? Uh, But last night was was my night. So I was putting her to bed and she, she just asked this interesting question. She said, Daddy, can you pick up a big rock? I mean, you know, of course, my mind, you know, I, I do struggle at times with the ego and strength. Well, I don't know. It depends on how big a rock you're talking about. You know, it's <laughs> not really your question, but, you know, yeah, I could pick up a pretty big rock if, you, if I had to. But uh, how, big, how big a rock are you talking about? I don't want to hurt myself. Well, she had been to the aquarium that earlier that day with Deidre while we were driving back from camp. And she said, well, I, there were sharks at the aquarium. What she was asking me was, could I pick up a big rock and drop it on a shark if a shark came after her? I was like, well, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting connection. And yet for her, part of her safety was that she felt like she had a dad who would stand in the way of something that was coming after her. And she does. And she does. I'll never apologize for being strong for my children. And you shouldn't either. I want to apologize for being strong for the gospel. You shouldn't either. In a world that says, you know what, have no opinions. Listen, okay, I get it. But it's not about my opinion. There is a way that seems right to a man that leads to destruction. And there is a way that is right that leads to life. We have to be about the things that lead to life. We all have that feeling at some place or the other. Colossians 3, verse 5 says, the second thing to to grow strong. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. Let me just say this. Let me stop here. Some of you may be struggling with some of the things I'm saying this morning. Because you bought into the idea that we all need to be safe. God did not call us to be safe. God called us to be passionate followers who in faith went to change the world. But it is very easy to look at works of the flesh and make them interchangeable with strength. And that is not what God is talking about. So we talk about anger. Strength is not acting in anger. Strength strength is not acting in wrath. Strength is not acting in malice or in slander or obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with the practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, live the path that leads to life. And don't pull all these things from our old way of living life and call that strength. Ego is not strength. Self-confidence is not strength. Being louder than the next person is not strength. Making sure you get yours and what you're looking for is not strength. Put sin to death. That is the second way in which we grow strong in the Lord. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live, this is an important word, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Men, women, kids, teenagers, the kind of strength that he's calling us to is a gentle strength, one that is controlled, one that does not hurt others, but comes alongside Jesus in Luke 4 says, I've come for the oppressed, I've come for the captive, I've come for the slave, I've come for the hurting, I've come for the sick. And we continue that mission. But we can't stand in front of oppression if we are not strong. We can't stand in front of those who are captives and bring rescue if we are not strong. We can't even communicate the gospel in this day and age if we don't have some level of strength within us. If we're apologizing our way through the gospel, why would anyone accept that? We have the opportunity to be more. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones. This is that third characteristic. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, We're going to come back to this word because this word is crucial in understanding strength. 
Some of your translations won't say meekness. It will say something else like gentleness. Gentleness is the spiritual concept of having the strength of God working through you. Gentleness is not safe and I won't ever encroach upon you. That is not gentleness. When we read about gentleness in Scripture, we'll get to that in just a minute. But, but I want you to hear that word, whether it be meekness in your translation or whether it be gentleness. This is where, this is where we're headed to. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness and patience. These are images of strength. Bearing with one another takes strength. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. is the last time you had to forgive someone. Or ask someone to forgive you. It takes strength, doesn't it? See, the, the default to not forgive is not a strong response. It is a weak response. Forgiveness takes strength. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our third area of putting on this strength is to put on the character of God. These are the characteristics of God that he is transferring to us through the Holy Spirit and through his Son what he's calling us to we have to put on the character of God that word meekness or that word gentleness depending on your translation this is what it literally means the godly exercise of power the godly exercise of power which is the ability to steward one's strength so that it serves good life-giving ends rather than bad life-taking ends. I find it interesting if you put a group of people in a room that, that aren't overly outgoing, how the strong personalities take over. I've been in rooms where that becomes a very encouraging room. I've been in rooms where the strong personality is critical and hurtful, and that can take over the room. Gentleness is not that no one even knows we're there. Gentleness is a way to exercise strength in a way that builds others up, helps others. This is what we're called to. This is the kind of strength I'm talking about. When we start talking about, well, what are we empowered for? If we're still looking to be empowered in such a way that we get all the glory, we get all the acclaim, we get all the rewards then you're going to find yourself very frustrated that you're not very empowered. You're going to wonder, why is God not working in me like he is in others? Why does God not just seem to come alongside and do things like he does for others? And I will tell you, it's probably because your heart is not bent on the things of God in which you use that power to give life to others rather than to take life to benefit you. See, this is what the world wants to reject because there's something within the world even in it's all of its messed up brokenness there's something in the world that says i i want to reject those terrible 
life-destructive ways of strength, but I want to be strong. And the enemy knows he's on the ropes in this regard. He doesn't have any strength to give. So he convinces you the strength of God is bad, worthless, evil. Because he doesn't want you to experience that thing that every one of us within the world still longs for. Why a five-year-old would say, Daddy, can you pick up a rock and drop it on a shark? Now, I just want you to know, I don't often go pick up rocks and drop it on things. So she doesn't have some frame of reference like, well, Dad, you know, did that on that doll out puppy that was walking down the street. Maybe he could do it for a shark. I don't do that. So she had no frame of reference for this, right? <laughs> poor dog. I was a poor, poor dog. It didn't happen. I was a joke. It didn't happen, you know. But she didn't have a frame of reference, but she did have a frame of reference for the fact that I don't feel strong. But I think you are. Now, part of us parenting her and part of us parenting Jonathan and Jake and Emma, part of us parenting them is helping them to develop an internal strength in their faith with Christ so that we don't have to be their strength for them. Because the day is quickly coming, especially for Jake, who's, who's headed off to college. The, the day is here for him in which he has to rely on the strength that God gives him. Which is why we haven't tried to protect Jake from every hurtful thing that comes down the line. Because you don't grow strong without it learning how to deal with hurt. We have to let our kids stumble. Listen, we've got to let our kids fail. If you never let your child fail... And then they go live in the adult world and you're not there to make sure that they don't mess up? What's going to happen when they fail out there on their own? And we already talk about the amount of depression that's going up. Depression, it, there are lots of reasons for I don't even want to go in the direction of depression because that's such a complicated, complex, there's not one way to view this and to talk about this. But that is one of the reasons that depression is growing because we don't have the internal strength in order to deal with difficult things that come into the world. That is not a follower of Christ. See, when we follow Christ, he says, listen, I'm going to throw all kinds of stuff at you. And it's not because I want to hurt you. It's because I want you to grow strong because we are in the war of the ages here. And our war is not against flesh and blood. We don't need to go find somebody that doesn't believe what we do and grab a baseball bat and take it to them. But we need to develop that strength that comes from him because within this war, we are fighting against principal powers of the air, spiritual forces that we ourselves can't fully understand. We have to put on the character of God. This is what we look at when we look at strength under control fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit is working through us, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Listen, patience requires strength. Kindness requires strength. There are times that, that someone will so test you that in order to show kindness, you will have to be strong. <laughs> right? Because what you want to do is give back to them what they've given to you. Kindness requires strength. Goodness. Faithfulness. Here's gentleness again. This strength under control. You can't even do that on your own. It is a working of the Holy Spirit within you to even make this happen. Self-control 
Against such things there is no law, because these are the things of God. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Not only are we victors, but we help others to experience this victory and to take on these characteristics of God. This is really for another time, but godly strength also means that we have confidence in God's will, God's strength, not our own, God's timing. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Oh my gosh, that makes me uncomfortable reading it. I don't know about you. Like, patiently enduring. I don't want to patiently endure evil. I want to deal with it, right? Like, I have anything, any way of dealing with it, but other than Christ. I sit here, and I'm going to patiently endure this evil. Now, I, I might if you're going to embrace this way of living life that is strong it may not look like the stereotype a stereotypical picture of a strong person see the the strength of god working through you i have seen i have seen the most non-imposing men and women who have exuded strength who have a smile on their face all the time i mean if they were to walk in the room they would disappear into the into the paint you know no one even know that they're there and yet when you see and talk to them they just exude a strength strength does not mean it's the biggest person in the room whenever we begin to develop this type of strength it even changes the way we talk about faith to people it changes the way we disagree with people See, one of the things that I've learned over time, I, I grew up in a system in which you and I needed to agree on, agree on every theological thing, everything. We needed to agree if we're going to be friends, if we're going to go to church together, if we're going to do stuff together, we need to agree. And, and God began to show me that is a place of weakness. That is not what God has called us to. Now, there are some things we need to agree on, right, to be in fellowship as fellow believers, we do need to agree that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came in the form of a man who died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into the be in heaven with the Father, and he has called us through Jesus Christ, through his grace, by faith, that we can know him and be saved by him, that it would not be our own works, it would not be something that we would do, but by his grace we have that opportunity through what Christ has done for us. We need to agree on those things. See, when you get the foundational critical things right and you're strong in those, you can be flexible in the non-critical things. Some would say, well, there are no non-critical things. Well, that's when I back out of that argument. I'm not, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to change your opinion. You go there, your way, I'll go mine. I'm following the ways in which if I stand before God and I have to answer for how I live and what I believe, I believe I have scriptural reason to stand you believe you have it and we're in direct opposition that's fine god will determine between us that's why we have to be sure that we have a a strong foundation to stand on through scripture if i can stand before him with scripture and say well you said this so this is why i did it god can still say well you completely missed it but if you stand and said well but i i hung out with people and this is kind of what they believe this is what i believe i would be that is some thin places to stand right there know why you believe but when you have strength in the things that are critical you can be flexible 
in the things that are not critical, and you can actually help and be in relationship and do ministry with those people, even if we don't agree on every single thing. Strong people strengthen others, not tear them down. See, if you, if the very concept of a strong person causes your heart to flutter, like not in a good way, but like, ooh, I don't like those people. That's because you have the wrong picture of what strength is. Strong people build up, not tear them down. Let me just say this, and I know I'm, I'm getting ready to step on some toes or, and, and maybe make some people mad. One of the, some of the ways that we tear people down, we are just overly critical. We just pick people apart. We pick people apart for things that they don't need to be picked apart for. We pick them apart from the stance that we have it all together. Like, I, I'm perfect, and you're not. And I'm going to tell you all the ways you're not perfect, so maybe one day you'll be perfect like me. That tears people down. Now, there's a place for accountability. There's a place for correction. You earn that place. And I will tell you, if you are not, have, do not have a history of encouragement to someone, then your criticism is not going to be taken well. If the only time you ever give your opinion is to say when someone's wrong, and then you're like, I don't understand why they didn't listen to me. Listen, you earn the ability to correct through a long history of encouragement. When someone comes to me and, you know, they talk about, you know, I don't get a lot of criticism, you know, because I'm just so awesome. No, that's not why. I, I don't get a lot of criticism because I'm a, I, I'm a church planner. Started this church. When I, I've been in churches in which I've had people tell me, you know, I was here before you got here. I'll be here after you leave. I can wait you out. You know, I've had that. When you plan a church, people look at you different. They're just like, well, I'm just not going to, I just won't come back. So rather than being critical, they just leave. <laughs> where I wish they would be critical. Let's talk it through. Let's figure out how we can be better together if we can be better together. When someone comes up to me and gives a criticism and they've never said a good thing about anything we've ever done, but they've got some bad things to say, do you know how much credence that has with me? Zero. Zero. But you walk alongside... You work with us, you put your hands through the plow with us, you encourage and build up, and then you come and say, listen, I've been watching this, this is not good. I tell you what, I am all ears. I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to know. Accountability is good. We only use our strength to, to be critical of others and tear people down. That is not the strength that God's talking about. I would encourage you to watch sarcasm. Listen, my default humor is sarcasm. Uh, Deidre almost uh, wouldn't go out with me because of my sarcasm. <laughs> and it's, t- it's taken her several years to help me deal with it. You know, I'm like, I'm a sarcastic in recovery. <laughs> and I don't, uh, you know, make light of other recoveries, but I really am. Sometimes I, I, I see people wanting to protect their children, protect themselves, protect their spouses. Trying to build, callous them up so they can put up with this stuff because it goes on out there. It's not the kind of strength he's talking about. That stuff tears them down. Sarcasm is just a way that, boy, I, used, I, boy, I can still do it. I can fall into it so quickly. But almost every 
almost every healthcare professional will tell you behind, behind sarcasm what is felt is hostility. Sometimes being strong means we engage. Sometimes it means we back away. Let me encourage you to focus on your walk with Christ. Model that for others rather than use your strength to nitpick the faults of others. Let me see. I've got so much here I could go on for a while. Let me see what I want to close with. Okay. Let me just close with this. Strength. One of the reasons that God talks about strength and the reason I bring this up to you today is because God wants you to be prepared for the long game, not the short game. God doesn't want you to make short-term gains, get through this one incident in which you're dealing with. God wants you to change the world long-term. God's looking at your life years down the road. And yeah, it's possible you don't have years down the road. I, we, you know, any one of us may not make it out of this room today. But the way God works, God is looking years down the road. He is playing the long game with you. He is drawing you to that place, and that requires stamina. That requires resilience. That requires strength. And that's what he wants you to have. And that's what he's saying, I will give you through the Holy Spirit. What he's telling us is, you have to seek the things of God. You have to crucify the things of the flesh. And you have to take on the character of God. And he's working long-term within your life to change the people around you here and eventually somewhere else. Some of you, God, may be saying, I I need you to go. I've got a stronghold in your office. The enemy's strong in your office. I need you permeate that stronghold and bring life to that group of people that will take strength some of you god may be saying i've got a a mission for you and it's on another it's in another state or another city or it's in another part of the world and i want you to go there and, and there's darkness there and i need you to carry the light i need you to take the torch i need you to show them god's love i need you to let them see the gospel in its true true sense But you won't go without some level of strength within you that says God's with me, God will take care of me, God will get me there. God wants us to be prepared for the long game, which means we have to be disciplined. It's funny, open Facebook this morning, I don't know if it popped up on Scott's today, but Scott said something, I think it was like in 2013, and I had shared it apparently this day six six years ago. And, and I, I won't get it completely right. But he said uh, he, was, he was afraid that the church had become so civil that it was no longer prepared to, fight, to wage a spiritual war. And he's right. He's right. We are called to bring the gospel into a world that doesn't want it, but inwardly knows it needs it. We are called to come alongside God and for him to strengthen and empower us so that people who are not strengthened or empowered can experience the love, grace, mercy, empowering of God themselves. It means we have to be disciplined. It means sometimes we have to be patient. We have to be kind with someone who is not kind. It means at times we have to turn the other cheek. It means we need to pray for our enemies. 
It means we need to stand firm on what God says is good and what God says is not. And men, I want to tell you this. Be strong. This Father's Day, be strong. Women, I want to say to you, be strong. This is not a male characteristic. This is a characteristic of followers of Jesus. Be strong. Be courageous. Be victors. Build people up. Let people lean on you. Come alongside. Rescue from oppression. Rescue from captivity. Rescue from pain. Let us be victors and let us take the victory to all those that we come in contact with that we possibly can. And we know, I know some of our kids were in an evangelism track um, at Centrifuge. Evangelism is tough. There's no guarantee. There's no getting it good enough that all of a sudden everybody you talk to uh, all of a sudden accepts Christ. There's actually a spiritual gift of evangelism, which means some people are even empowered by the Holy Spirit beyond what is even realistic within us. And they go and they, they do see incredible harvests, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we do go and we do take it. And maybe the majority of the people are like, I'm not interested. We do take the gospel to them. We have to set Christ-centered priorities. Set Christ-centered priorities. Finally, Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let us be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Father, God, I pray that... uh, you would help us to live this out. I know there are times that I, I still can't tell what's the difference between being strong in you and being strong in me, and it sure feels good to feel strong in me. But you've called me to be strong in you. I pray that we would not own our weaknesses in such a way that we perpetually live within them, but that we will accept them and realize we were not made to be God. We are weak without you. But I pray that we would pass through those and we would be victorious, strengthened by you through your Holy Spirit. Pray for those in this room and oh, they so desperately want to be strong and they feel perpetually weak. God, I know that is not your plan for them. And I pray that you would help them to see that you have come. You are the all-powerful God who is living, alive within them. I pray that you would begin to change the way they see the world rather than seeing from a place where I just have, have no ability, I have no control, I have no power in anything in life. I just have to take whatever comes to me and it's all bad. God, I pray that they would see a, a, a view of victory pray for those that are in this room and they're questioning because right now they feel like they're in a season of weakness they feel weak I don't know why they're in this season I know for me it's usually because you're trying to teach me something I pray that in this time this season in this time they would not doubt your powerful work within them and that they would be able to see the purpose for the season that they're going through 
that you would restore them to a place of gentleness and meekness. Father, I pray that we would be able to to have the strength and be able to control it so that we use it for your purposes and not for our own. We come alongside and we bind up the brokenhearted, that we come alongside and we help those who feel crushed in spirit, that we are able to be the strength for those who are suffering or afraid. We will come alongside those who are oppressed or they've been enslaved to something or perhaps they just are constantly the butt of jokes or the ridicule of others. Let us come alongside and let us lend them the strength in which you've lent us so that they can be strong. Let us do that with control, with your goals in mind. Let us live empowered lives, but let us use them for your purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.